0: For the fighting cop to get started and to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. This
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: Geico asks, How would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's Season
3: 7, Episode 52 of the Fighting Cock Podcast. Body, what were you saying about Lanzini? I was saying
4: Lanzini doesn't look like a footballer who can high press. And um, this is relating to... Um, one, Lindsay, Wendy's love for Lanzini and two, the photos in the Daily Mail of Lanzini and his West Ham colleagues lounging around on the beach. You've got Zabaletta, Carroll, who look like proper athletes who could, if they wanted, if they needed to, high press. Whereas Lanzini, come on, man. It, it looks like he's been not, not... He's been like skipping training,
3: skipping all kinds so this, of leg days. This is peak Bardi for two reasons. Firstly, analysing someone's body, which is... Bardi is a, he's a bit of a running fiends nowadays and uh, he's he's shaped up, he's lost a lot of weight, he's become very fit, very toned and he loves to analyse other people's bodies and eating habits but also any little dig at me and my opinions about a player <laughs> that he's not 100% sure on, he's there. Lanzini so, can't high press for sure. So he saw these pictures of Lanzini and the first thing he thought was, I'll oh, show that fucker Wendy. I
5: don't know what I've signed up for here because normally I come on this pod and it's like, this is the first one I've done without Flav. You guys go in here and uh, and just as soon as it starts you're just like, let's let's look at some photos of footballers like just in their trunks on the beach. <laughs> let's have a look at Lanzini's porch. We're going to hit record now and discuss. The so. beach
3: The
4: beach doesn't hide. you know. Everything think is laid bare on the beach I go when I go to Italy you know I chill out on the beach for a long weekend and beach, nothing is, stays hidden on the beach it's all there it's all bare I think <laughs> are you, are you, you to say see... you,
3: you go fully nude is that what you're saying there <laughs> no, they're it's, don't... All, it's all there we are not bare. into that kind
4: of thing in Italy it's not like um, I remember being at the beach in Barcelona <laughs> budgie
3: smugglers though
5: mate <laughs> they Come all they love them oh, they, love, they love, them. love them out there don't they it's yeah,
4: I don't go that far but I remember being at the beach in Barcelona and this guy just kind of Walk through everybody, and he was just letting it all swing. It was—it's
3: was quite a sight. Wow! So we got Cave. Hello. Or Cave On. I didn't know it was Cave On. I was shocked when I heard that the other day. That's yeah. why I just keep it to Cave because then yeah. people can't get. Yeah. Yeah, that must be really annoying yeah. when people pronounce your name wrong. It's fine. Don't worry about it. I like it. <laughs> I like now. it. <laughs> 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 I know now. Uh, and we're at SNK Studios, your your wonderful studio. Thank you very much for having us. And we've just recorded the extra inch, which is. Um, kind of why it's it's us doing the fighting cock this week, and I, th- I think it went pretty well. We have Nathan A. Clark with us. It was it was excellent. Um, Flav unfortunately got snowed in in uh, in the sticks, so he couldn't make it into London. And then tonight, Tuesday, he's recording. Oh, sorry, he's he's on air on Love Sport Radio. Which is every Tuesday evening, and we do a section on there between seven and nine, and you can listen on five fifty-eight a.m. or on Lovesportradio.com. It's going to be Flav and someone else, generally from the Cock. So we'll mix it up a bit. But I th- I can't- who's on this week, buddy? Do you know? It's David Alfie Ward again, I think. Is, is it? it?
5: Is it? He was. I listened to the first one. He was on that. It was really good. Yeah, third, and, and T was, was on last week. Right.
3: It, it went again. Went really well. They had some. Um, some crazy caller who was very anti-potch and I thought they, they, they handled it pretty well, particularly Flav. Can I just say Flav getting stuck in,
4: um, in the West Country once is an accident, twice is... What the fuck, man, come on. Poor
3: planning. Poor fucking planning. Mm. <laughs> but then the snow in March is just a strange concept. True. No so, who could have expected that?
5: Yeah, we, we, this country just falls to bits as soon as the snow falls, anyway. So exactly.
3: Oh well. So we're going to talk a bit about the Swansea game, um, the FA Cup tie. So it was, as far as I'm concerned, a very comfortable win, a very impressive professional performance from Spurs, and that's my, that's probably my favourite Spurs, the kind of Spurs where we just turn up, smash a team, and walk out again with barely any any fanfare, no fuss. Christian Eriksen scoring twice, an incredibly impressive. Um Mena too had a very strong game what were your what were your thoughts on the
5: game? I mean I like Spurs dominating and winning a game and showing what we can really do you know as much as any spurs supporter but to a degree, I was a little bit disappointed that Swansea didn't really turn up it didn't feel it felt a little bit like they'd already conceded defeat you know before before they even kicked off and you know, it's it's the latter stages of the FA Cup. We're up for we want to be excited about potentially winning a trophy. I kind of wanted them to make more of a game of it, to be fair. And I looked at the stats at half time, and I was like, is it as is it as one sided as it feels as it looks? And they basically just not really got involved in the game.
3: Do you think it was because they're so concerned about the league and making sure they stay in the Premier League or do you think it was that Spurs played so well but we didn't give them a chance to get yeah. out of the traps?
4: I think, I think it's twofold. It's one, um, Carverhouse comments post-game were very telling that he said it was David versus Goliath which is a bit, it's a bit of a stupid comment really when it's two Premier League teams facing off against each other. Yeah, And it's also because they had some relative success with 10 men against Huddersfield by just blocking the channels and one of the fears pre-game was the fact that there was no Kane but it kind of worked once again into our benefit that by them just block- clogging up the centre we had no Kane who was there in the centre and uh, it allowed Ericsson son and Lamella to, um, to cause havoc from deep and um, yeah it was a comfortable win it was narrative busting again everybody was waiting for spurs to the Harry Kane team to trip up and um, we our shooting was some point like Ericsson mm. left foot Lamella right foot Dier had a good old crack and the shooting from distance was really good and um I thought their goalkeeper did okay for someone I'd never bloody heard of and I thought we played pretty well
5: yeah as I think as well with what with them not having it wasn't like it was a midweek game and they mm. had to save their players because they've got a really big you know relegation six pointer at the weekend like it was on a weekend you got no more game for another what two weeks because yeah. now you've got the international break as well I, I don't really think there was an excuse if anything you know they're getting a bit of momentum putting in some decent performances while, while they're scrapping away trying to stay up I, if i was him i would have i would have put a, a semi-decent team out
4: yeah and even their crowds i mean maybe the crowd reacted to the team that went out or the manager's attitude but they didn't seem up for it um it's a, a home tie in swansea you know we had a difficult time there last time obviously with was weather involved but um yeah it just did kind of it was a very kind of empty atmosphere
3: in the ground and we strolled in and and just took them apart they were definitely missing the two IU brothers, who have been mm-hmm. a big part of their kind of rejuvenated form under Carvial, and I think. That had definitely had an impact, but also I thought Kyle Bartley, who's the ex-Guna, who was playing at the back for them, was absolutely shocking. Yeah. And you know, can argue for all three goals, he could have come out and pressed the ball and, and done something to try and stop those shots coming in. Um, And I quite, I quite enjoyed that.
4: Yeah, I did a little um, post on Twitter today. Who would you want to sign outside of the top six? And Alfie Mawson came up a lot. So it was quite nice to see Mawson and he looked okay in moments. I'm not sure whether he's... Anything other than maybe like a possible Ryan Shawcross kind of level play, but it, it was nice to get a good look at him.
5: And in terms of our selection and the team that we put out, like you've got a chance to rotate it, you've got a chance to mix it up a bit. We are having a proper go in the cup. May maybe down to the teams that we've drawn. I mean, we've made hard work of it up until now. That was arguably an easier game than the the two replays we've had against the lower league teams. But like, would you have preferred? that that those m- not second string players but some of our squad players that maybe needed a game would you have preferred a more competitive game for them or, or do you know what I mean like make it a little bit easier give them a bit of a confidence boost give them some time on the ball and, and do you know what I mean let them get a good performance under their belt I'm never going to complain about
4: an easy game especially in, in a quarterfinal it was nice um, I thought Sissoko even though there was one moment in the uh, second half in the first half where they played, they cleared a corner and Sissoko was the last man and he let it bounce Yeah, <laughs> it terrified me yeah, yeah I was terrified there as well but he got out of it and I thought for a game where we had a lot of possession and he's
3: not normally great in those games, I thought he—I thought he had a decent, decent game. He was good, and he has. To be fair to him, he has looked okay in central midfield when he's had a holding player next to him, and mm-hmm. and Dier was there next to him mopping up, so it kind of freed Sissoko to to do well. And I thought he did—he did have a good game. It was only we made what we made sort of three changes from the strongest possible eleven in Vorm, Sissoko, and and Lucas Moura. Um Delhi, I think, had a knock. Is that what is that what the Apparently, idea behind resting yeah. him? wasn't fully fit. I would like a little shout-out to Vorm as well. I thought he made a couple
4: of good saves, good with his kick in, solid goalkeeper.
3: Yeah, I mean, in the first few minutes, he rushed out and made that saving challenge, Mm -hmm. basically. And that could have very easily been a penalty if he'd been a second slower. And he did very well to anticipate that. He had a good game. Um, The double save has taken some criticism because some people felt he should have pushed the initial shot further away. But not the easiest one to get away. It was quite central and it also came... Out of a blue, to some degree, so he did yeah. well to get something
5: on it. I, th- I think we're pretty blessed in terms of having uh, a you know like a, a, a second goalkeeper that's happy to play second fiddle to to Larice, but that really does like have the ability to come in for that one game and actually perform at the level that we'd expect him to you know it's, it's, it can't be easy to just come in for that one game to stay sharp to be yeah. ready to go and then suddenly you know those two three points in the game where something like that happens can, can make a break or tie like it's, it's pretty impressive yeah. and
4: having a third choice goalkeeper who's never conceded a goal for
3: Tottenham ever <laughs> 100% <laughs> clean do, you, do you think Vaughan might be sold in the summer and Gazaniga might come through <laughs> No, no. but <laughs> well, because you don't rate Gazaniga. no I don't rate him at all <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of want to talk about Davinson sanchez because when we were recording the extra inch just now um we had a bit of a chat about him briefly and cave made a face at me through the screen and and (laughs) is you obviously have a few doubts about him
5: i don't i look i don't get me wrong i'm really really pleased that we signed him um I think the money that we spent on him was a bit of a signal of intent as well. And the fact that we actually got him over some of the teams that were, mm. you know, he was touted as potentially looking at was, was really, really good for Tottenham. And I think it just shows that, that we're investing in the right way and we're bringing the right sort of player in. From what I saw of him before on the highlight reels, which, again, don't tell you everything, I, I saw him as a player that is faster than I have seen him in the flesh. At the games... I, I've been surprised at times when he's seemingly like running back and and perhaps like maybe some of his game gets away with it. I know that we've had players in the past that maybe their their tackling their their passing isn't fantastic, but if they do make a mistake, they've got the pace in them to actually get back and correct a mistake. He's not as fast as I thought he was. At times, I don't think he's as composed as I had hoped he was. I think. I think he will be fine. I think he's a fantastic player for us. And I think he's got the right players around him to to play alongside and learn from. But I, I still think he's got a way to go yet to develop before... You know, the fact that he's been first choice since he's come in, partly because of injuries, is great. And I think we've done well in there. But I think he's got room for improvement. And he will improve, surely. I mean, most players take a year to
3: settle. So I think that's where... The kind of praises come from the fact that it's his first season and mm. we're sort of hopeful that he's, he can now build on this form he's already showing and become an even better player. Um I mean, I feel like even if he's staying at this level, we've still got a good player there. He's clearly not at the same level as Toby and Jan. That's, that's the dis- discrepancy, isn't it? We, we're so used to seeing those two almost faultless centre-backs who are also brilliant in possession. And so yeah. when you kind of drop down a bit to Davinson stepping in, he does... He's not
5: quite there yet, but
3: I'm hopeful he can get
5: there. I think as well with with them um, with those two, you know, experienced centre backs, they make. Whoever plays alongside them look really, really good. And and, and and that's not because they're good, I think they just have it in them to organise it. They've got that, that experience to really, really organise the, the whole defence. I think even Dyer when he's played against played alongside somebody other than, than one of the Belgians has looked that's when he's looked a little bit suspect yeah. at centre back, but play alongside one of them and he looks absolutely great. I think the real test for for for, for, for Dyer maybe still, um but for Foyf as well and for Davison, Sanders. Sanchez is when neither Toby nor Jan are, are there whether it's they, they've left the club or they've retired or, or they're not fit can those guys really hold a line between them and, and really organise themselves without one of those senior players in there telling them where to be and what to do
4: I mean I'm a huge Davidson Sanchez fan and I know he's made mistakes there was the goal that we conceded against West Brom where I think he underestimated the strength and power of Rondon which caught us off guard there was obviously the red card at Watford And there was the the goal against Juve where I thought he got dragged out by Higuain and then punished around the back by Dibola. But that was more, I think, to do with no protection, screening in front of Higuain, stopping that ball getting there in the first place. Um, There's going to be no defender in the world that is faultless. Um, I do admit on occasion he can look a bit um, bit sloppy in, in possession, but there's other times where the ball's bounced unkindly for him and using a little bit of skill he's got out of it. I can't remember the game now where the ball bounced up and he did a wonderful piece of skill to yeah. get out of a tight situation so I, I think all in all it's been a really good season from him there's so much still to come we've seen a lot from him and he's played in a back three and a back four and um you know, there's been managers out there who spent a lot more money on players like Mangala and stuff like that, and these are players who've completely crumbled in their first season in the Premier League. I think we've got a fantastic player, and I, you know, I fully back him to be a star. And if he stays at a club, perhaps one of the finest defenders we've ever seen.
5: Wow, oh, wow, that's a, that's
3: a, a bold statement.
5: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all about bold. See, speech. that's the jump that I don't get though. Like, I think he's good, yeah. but. People making statements like that, and I'm not picking a new body, but yeah, I have heard a yeah. few people saying, "Oh, he's going to be one." And like, re- really, I don't see that yet. I think that that he's a great young defender. I think he could be potentially fantastic if he's yeah. coached correctly. But I think it's a really big jump to suddenly say, "Oh, he could be one of the best we've ever had." Because it's like he's just one season.
4: Yes, yeah, I know. Maybe it is a bit Liverpool fan going crazy. Like, maybe it is a <laughs> little bit Liverpool. Ireland, mate, it is so. a little bit Liverpool. So yeah, I maybe hold my hands up there. But I just think he has got everything in in his locker. Jesus, I think he's got all the <laughs> all the right. But he's got all the right. He's got the right skill set to become a truly outstanding defender, and hopefully that's at Tottenham.
3: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And I guess when you're saying things like one of the best defenders, you mean in recent memory, I guess. Yeah, of course. And and the thing is, we are the best we've been in recent memory. So it kind of makes sense that Mm. a player we're signing to play at that level would be one of the best. Yeah, I would say Vitongan and Alderweireld are two of the best we've had in recent years.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the best players we've had in the last 20 years they probably wouldn't get in our team now, you know, and yeah. that's how far we've moved on as a club, as a team. They're playing like, um, I don't know, like Ginola, who's, who's yeah. wonderful. Yeah, wouldn't we've had that in. conversation a lot, yeah. haven't we? And as your team improves, the level of players improve, and perhaps Davinson will never have the kind of affinity, we'll never have the affinity towards him that we did. Ginola, um, Klingsman, King, these kind of guys who were there when we weren't great. But the level of these players we've got now, we've got pure internationals throughout our team, whereas before an international week it was maybe three or four players wouldn't be there. Now, I don't know, Tottenham like, Hotspur Way is
3: probably quite empty. And you'd have yeah. to say that if Davinson were to leave, at this point it looks likely that it would be to a better team than us yeah. rather than the other way, which has mm-hmm. got to be a good thing in terms of his progression. Yeah. Um so we're in the FA Cup semi final and that means that the Brighton game will be rescheduled and we're hoping to get Paul Robinson on the live show Um, for whenever that is rescheduled for so keep your eyes peeled for an email about that at some point when the fixtures all come out Um, we've got Manu in the semi and there's been a lot of talk about whether Pochettino can outmanage Mourinho in a kind of straight shootout what do you think I mean I I listen to the indie indie football podcast which is the independence podcast and Jonathan Liu made a really good point that you've got a manager like I mean, he wasn't specifically talking about this game, but he mentioned Pochettino being a manager about the process of developing a football team, um, whereas Mourinho is more about how to win individual matches. And I thought that was a really useful point that he made and an interesting comparison. And it does fit the narrative for this match. Mourinho got beaten by Poch at Wembley earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do fear that in a match of this magnitude he'll know what to do to get through it. I mean, Man United lost to Sevilla in a match they should have gone
4: through. So um, if I had to choose whether to play the Mourinho's Chelsea of back in the day or Mourinho's mm. Man United, I'm happy to play Mourinho's Man United, which we've beaten a couple of times at home now. And, you know, it's sometimes Southampton would have been the nice tie, but then sometimes I worry about Tottenham. Maybe it's the old kind of spursiness in me that I worried, like, the year we drew Portsmouth, who got relegated. <laughs> oh. And, you know, there was too much, too too many similarities. Southampton could go down. Southampton, South Coast team. And there was too much worrying. So I didn't want Chelsea. Uh, I would have taken Southampton, obviously. But I'm going to take it as a good omen that we got Man United. And, you know, we've played nothing but crap teams all the way to the semi-finals. And eventually we were going to get a draw, which was a bit painful. And we got it now. Um... I, st- I have faith that we can beat Man United.
3: I, I'm slightly concerned that he seems to have, or Mourinho I say I should say, has seemed to have stumbled across this sort of midfield that works for them in the way that they played against mm. Liverpool. So he's now using McTominay in midfield with Matic, which seems to be a much better combination. I don't know, I, I just fear that he'll manage to create some kind of situation which... They shut us out. I mean,
4: they beat Liverpool with a long goal. They with a long ball, which they they got the weakness over. Which they actually beat us at home with a yep. long ball. So yep. he does that. Have he has that? He in picks his, out weaknesses.
3: That's picks what he out weaknesses.
4: Does. But the first goal will be key, as it is with whenever you play Mourinho. If you kind of if we score first and give the onus on them to kind of come at us, then I have faith in us doing them.
5: I, th- I think that's my worry as well. In in that Mourinho knows how to win trophies, you know, and and he will be an absolute dick about it. He, it won't be pretty and he might get slagged off in the press, yeah. but he will get it'll get him through like a difficult game. But then the severe result happened, which is a bit like mm, is he actually losing his stuff? But it was only a few weeks ago that you know they went up against Liverpool like you know one of the most high end scoring teams in the league. Probably play a fairly similar kind of brand of football to us, and they were absolutely flying. And everybody thought that they were going to do them, and they managed to, you know, shut them out. I totally agree with you about him just randomly, like, luckily finding this combination in midfield that kind of works. Like, that is what bothers me the most as well. And I, not, not, not to get too much into the tactics, but more a case of no, there's feel free, a lot go for of. It. No, 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 not on this podcast. <laughs> um, there's a lot of stuff going on at Man United that clearly looks like is the dressing room turning. Is it a bit weird? Is, it, mm. is he sending a message to the owners or what's going on? The whole Pogba thing. Sanchez has looked absolute dogs. Since he's been there, but he'll find a way of doing something, won't he? Even if it's like not what you expect him to do, like it's not like him to bring a younger player through as well. No, very unusual for Mourinho to do that.
3: And we had a question from Year 83 on Twitter who said, Should we drop Vorm and Sissoko for that game? What do you think? How do you feel about this Vorm situation? Because obviously, he's played every round so far, but Poch has got history of then taking him out of the team for the for the really big game, the semi. Well, Lloris, I think, has played two FA Cup games to
4: Tottenham and he's lost both of them. Yeah. So that's a little bit worrying. Uh, but he will bring Lloris back in and Sissoko, You think he will? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And um, Sissoko won't
5: play unless there's a severe injury. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it's Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit unfortunate on those players. But if they had used those games to stake their claim as the number one in that position, then... Then that would have been up to them, and they didn't. I mean, I'm not suggesting anybody expected form to oust Larice, but Sissoko. You know, he had a lot of opportunities at the start of the season. They've started to tail off. Those cup games, he hasn't exactly been like pulling up any trees and showing that he should be back in the in the starting lineup. So I, I'm all for it. If we want to win competition, we've got to play our best team.
3: And how do you feel about this um, home? dressing room and home game debate that's going on do you, well we're actually in the away dressing room we use the away dressing room at uh at Wembley
4: side i read this so that's yeah. that's,
3: that's the thing isn't it that we, have, we so. we've chosen to use that dressing room mm-hmm. yeah.
4: yeah i think apparently it's the way you turn out the out the dressing room is the same way we used to turn when we that's come out okay
3: okay so
4: yeah there's method to it, there's method to it um many united fans being salty about it well the year the Champions League final was at um, Old Trafford if they'd got there they wouldn't have been complaining about home advantage Chelsea fair play to them they didn't kick up a fuss because when they played Bayern in the Champions League final that was in Bayern stadium and they beat Bayern Munich on penalties a German team in Germany in their home stand, in their home ground um, you know everybody knew this situation the FA knew the possibility that this could happen the FA want their money they want to pay for their stadium so the FA don't care and going forward when Chelsea move into Wembley I doubt there to be anything different I think Chelsea will probably play their games there as well
5: yeah and more to the point like fuck them it's just, so, it's, it's just such bullshit isn't it's it? such a non-story it's, su- it's such a tiny little pissy thing to just have a moan about and and it's just them like like there's always something they've always got to find a narrative and just bollocks just get on with it play the game it it's the 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 stadium be fifty fifty there'll be two teams on the pitch just play the match the fact that you know they've played there lots in previous seasons mm-hmm. because they get uh, they they're always in the community shield or they get to cup finals you know historically they've probably had more games there than we have over the past five or ten years so if anything this is evening things up a little bit Sodom let's just go and play a game <laughs> of football yeah, bollocks it pisses me
3: off. They change their minds to suit their argument of a time, don't of they? they do. It's it's, uh, it's one of those things. Just salty football fans. Football fans being football fans, basically.
4: It's just fucking. And we're not going to get into it. It's just social media giving idiots a platform.
3: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just shut the fuck up. bardi's in a very end of mood tonight, isn't he? <laughs> I'm in a very uh,
4: get him out. I get him out of the club.
3: Not going to drop any spoilers about the uh, extra inch. So moving on, we're going to talk about the season ticket, and I, and I feel a bit. I always feel like this isn't uh, one for me because I'm not going to get a season ticket and I never plan to get a season ticket. Uh, I've never had one. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm a member. I'll always be a member as far as I can you know, see into the future. But um, I think, Cave, you, you feel quite strongly about the issue. From our conversation earlier, um, the, the, the prices have shocked a few people, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And the club have tried to spin it. Um, the trusts were very, very firm on the issue and came out and, and made a really good statement I thought about the numbers of tickets at the various um, price points and how essentially so many people's tickets had gone up by vast percentage points and it was incredibly unfair on those people. Um, The club tried to spin it to say there are still lots of seats available under a £1,000 it doesn't seem quite right it does feel like spin the seats that are available seem to be very very high
5: up and there aren't many of them Hmm. This is a really tricky one, and I've kind of really sat on the fence in terms of my opinion about it, because I think people have to be honest, and I think that a lot of people's reaction to what's happened is and quite rightly entirely based on how it directly affects them for the same reason that you just said yeah. Wendy that you know you, you don't really have as much of a strong opinion because you're not in the running to get a season ticket um from from my perspective you know and, and also i totally agree that that whilst I might look at this from my point of view, somebody else looks at it from their point of view, that might be down to where they sat before and where the equivalent, if there is an equivalent seat is now, it might be down to how much money they earn, mm. which is a fair point, do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's it's fair enough just going, okay, but we've got to put ticket prices up because you want to pay Toby this much money, you're leaving, but there's a million arguments, but people aren't suddenly going to start earning an extra couple of hundred quid a year just because they put the ticket prices up, so it does have to be realistic. For me, When I first got my season ticket, I could barely afford it. I I, I think that was the first reason I ever got a credit card, was just to buy this. And I I don't think I'd even paid it off by the time the next one came around and I had my first renewal. So I've been there, I know what it's like. Now, 15 years later, personally... I'm not too fussed by these prices because I can get more or less a ticket where I was before for it's not actually gone up that much for me. Um, so I'm not looking at it from that point of view, but there are a lot of fans that are. And the the match they experience, it's traditionally, it's, you know, to without sounding cliche, it's, it's a working man's sport. And there needs to be an element of, you know, if you want to say it that way working class people in the stadium from the local area that are getting excited about watching their team play and if if they're being priced out and you've got people that are perhaps there on more of a a day out or there's more corporates then it is going to have an impact on the you know you know the match day experience having said all that I think the one thing that fans are not thinking about right now is that this is the final piece in the puzzle for Enoch. Once they've done this, they don't need to do anything more other than keep us around the top of the league and in the Champions League before this club becomes uh, an attractive option to sell. So whether what they've done now is to bump prices so that they can see a certain amount of matchday revenue or whether it might get worse still in the coming years if and when they do so in the next few years, we don't know what comes next. It's a very, very difficult one to read.
4: Yeah, I I took the opportunity this year to buy my first ever season ticket for Spurs and um, I've loved having a season ticket. I've loved not having to go online and wait for... um. Uh, wait for membership opportunities wait when is the day wheel it's circle of death all that kind of stuff so um, I've been really excited about getting a a season ticket for the new stadium but now as I'm a phase 6 person I need to wait and see what's going to be left when I get there and I've gone from being yes 100% I'm in to now I'm going to wait and see Um, the money is not a problem but the money is a principle that um, I don't want to have to pay £60 for 60 pound per match which is an it's a ridiculous amount of football as a as a member at White Hart Lane I was with my loyalty points I was able to get all pretty much if I would needed a ticket I got a ticket and I never really had to I was paying cheaper prices more expensive prices depending on the game it would it would fluctuate but over a season ticket kind of being stuck within that 60 pound barrier per game it's a um it's a principle for me, so I'm going to wait and see what's left when
5: I'm there. I haven't made my mind yet. I think as well because I'm I'm really I, I'm phase three, so I think it's something like four and a half thousand. They think in each phase. Um, I you know I asked people on Twitter yesterday like can you know d- d- how's it been for people that are mm-hmm. in phase one and somebody said to me look look you can actually jump in and log in and see which seats are available and which yep. ones have gotten. So I've been watching this like a hawk, and to be fair. You know, I've been quite surprised by the seats that have gone. You would think that those season ticket holders that you, that are in phase one, two and three, mm-hmm. I just in my head assumed 90% <laughs> of them are going to want to be in that new stand. And those tickets that everybody wants, whether the cheaper ones, whether mm-hmm. where the atmosphere is going to be. I thought those are all going to go first. I've had a look at this. And today, I mean, it's, only, you know, that phase one only went on sale so yesterday it's pretty, It's a pretty even spread. Okay. Each of the little blocks, like, yeah, the tickets right at the front of those are going first. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot left. There's a lot more than I expected to be left. I thought all the cheap ones would just go like that. Yeah. And from what I can see, it, it doesn't look that bad. So I still have hope that being in Phase Three, I'm still going to be able to sit with with my mates and where we want to be. I think people may be surprised, but I do understand the reaction that people have had to it, you know, when when the the initial pricing has come out and you've seen how many tickets in each price range are available. What do you think of this um, concept that you basically, when you've
3: chosen your seat, you probably can't change it ever. So you're stuck with your, your season ticket in that seat
5: until you give it up. What do you think of that? Does that bother you? I mean, I got just lumped in the seat that I got lumped in. And, you know, one season in, I wouldn't have changed it if you'd offered me a yeah. million pounds for that ticket. That was, I think, the only, that there's one game that I've ever watched at White Hart Lane that was not in my seat. Um, and that was with the 1882 lot when, when Lamella scored the Rabona. Um, and that, for me, was a different experience. And whilst it was a great day out, my In my head, what, what being at Spurs is about is being in my seat and as a season ticket holder mm. the people that are around me. Now, that might change. Yeah. And I am going to be with my three or four mates that are definitely going to have season tickets. And maybe there'll be some of the people we knew before, maybe some we don't. But it will become what we want it to be. And I'm personally not fussed about, about not being able to change it. I, wherever we end up, I want to be with those guys. I don't want to stay there. And am I right in saying that the... It looks as though if you want to sell your
3: ticket on the exchange, you're not going to ever be able to get face value essentially for it. That's that's one of the things that's been spoken about on Twitter a bit. It's it's, it's difficult. difficult. Is it too I, early to say?
5: I've heard of, I've heard a few of these things, and I think they Spurs have been flexible and they have changed a few things right. that have been complained about the StubHub stuff. It took a little while, but it's gone. Um, I think we wait and see how it goes. I I, I suspect that we're going to have a lot of you know, very, very sold out games, at least in in the first couple of months of the season and then after that when things have actually calmed down then maybe we'll see how it's actually gonna pan out for the duration.
3: Yeah, and as a member I must admit that I'm starting to get a little nervous about how I actually go about getting tickets because there are lots of us now fighting for very few tickets and maybe I've maybe I'm being a bit quick, a bit hasty to make that decision. I'm definitely not getting a season ticket when actually I might regret it. I might not ever get tickets for Spurs again. Who knows? <laughs> You'll never go to Tottenham again. The wheel of the wheel of death might see me out of um, out of Spurs. Um, I don't know. It's a it's, it's a very controversial issue. Some people seem very het up about it. Others seem to not care. And I think the trust are doing great work to keep everyone Absolutely. informed. Um, to, to lobby the club where they can. And I would say do do log on to the trust website if you haven't had a look and and see what they've got to say about it, because they normally do get things bang on, and they, they pitch their articles perfectly. Um, we'll do a couple of questions and then we'll we'll head off. So, firstly from uh, Tim King on Facebook, is Christian Eriksen as important to Spurs as Harry Kane? And funnily enough, we've just sort of had this discussion on The Extra Inch, so if you're interested in a kind of um, tactical discussion about that, subscribe to The Extra Inch, which is a new podcast feed now. Not You won't hear that on this same feed, so please do subscribe, but where 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 are you on that cave? Is Ericsson as important to Spurs as Kane?
5: Uh, I think with both players, when they're not in the squad or, or or in the team in the starting eleven, we have to change the way that we play because they're so important to the way that we play. Um, I think that not having a like for like replacement for Kane means that we don't play the same way. Um sometimes that works out better. Some sometimes you know like we saw when he came off injured suddenly we scored a couple of goals a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes that's all it takes. Um I do feel that of all of the positions that we really need to strengthen and have an have a, have a, have an adequate backup. Um even if it's a slightly different player but something in that mold is those two. I think that we really really struggle our game changes when Ericsson's not in in the team. Um similarly with Kane we have to play differently.
4: Yeah, we have survived periods without Kane. Um, but we always look a weaker team without Erickson. It's very it's very strange how Kane is our best player, but Ericsson is probably our most influential. Um, I don't want to imagine a future without either of them. But um, is Ericsson as important as Harry Kane? Yeah. I think I think I think he's equally as important to Tottenham and um Ericsson, Kane and possibly Delhi, those are those three guys are crucial to Spurs
3: Interestingly, you put Delhi as number three. Oh, I,
4: I I love Delhi. I think everything about him—the way he plays, his energy, the way he gets involved, the way he's maturing—and and even though he's maturing, he still winds people up, which is which is lovely to see. Um, he's kind uh, of the
3: poster I, boy for Pochettino as well. I think like, he shows his to... intelligence more yeah.
5: than people who are just uh, just having a go at him and calling him a diver and just like I actually think that the way that he does it, mm. it shows maturity. Because he's not hes not doing it in a petulant way. He's winding people up and it works. And he comes on and he gets booed and he riles the fans up and then people fly in the back of him and he's just won as another free kick in a really important attacking area. Yeah. I, I think that there's a lot more to the to, to the reason why he, he plays like that and why he's got that reputation than maybe people realise. He plays realize. on the edge as well. And there's,
3: yeah. there's something to be said for a player that plays on the edge. I think it gets the best out of them in many ways. And Potch allows him to tread that line very carefully and I think he always reels him back in when it's needed. So when he'd been sent off, I think he's barely been sent off ever for us. Is it once or twice? he Yeah. I think it's once. Once it? and then he should have been sent off another time for mm. punching, was it Jakob? Jakob yeah, and, and um, that's right. the tackle at Man City as well, possibly. Yeah, yeah. he got away with both. He, he got suspended for the Jakob thing. and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the thing is, he's a wind-up merchant and you don't want to lose that from his game it works for him it works for us and it's a good thing on Mm -hmm. the whole Um, and as long as he's not getting silly bookings and and subsequent red cards then it's fine and I'm all for it most of his bookings have come through simulation recently haven't they it's it's not through bad challenges or you know pulling someone's hair or flicking someone's ear it's not those kind of things It's it's the diving and It winds winds the opposition fans up. It gives us an opportunity to celebrate him even more and it kind of gets us back on side in many ways. And he's still performing despite the Liverpool-based media
4: (laughs) frenzy that they've whipped up, the Daily Mail frenzy against him and everything else. He's keeping his head. And we've seen against Bournemouth, he's got the whole stadium booing him and it's a a recurring
3: thing now. Wherever he goes, he gets booed. But he loves thrives on it. Yeah. I think Flav mentioned last week how against um, MK Dons, the the one team who, no sorry, AFC Wimbledon, the one yeah. team who legitimately could have booed him, um, he came on and basically tricked their player yeah, with the first 30 yeah. seconds yeah. of being on and he, he was loving it, he was thriving on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so going going back to Tim's question briefly, I think Eriksson is as important, as important to Spurs as Kane um, in a footballing sense. But I think, in any other sense, Kane is the most important player we've got, and one of the most important players we've ever had. In Kane terms of a... the, the the link between the fans and the club, the link between the academy and the first team, I think he show, he 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 symbolises so much yeah. that's good about us and 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 our football club, um, and I I think he's an amazing role model for for younger players, for young fans. Um and he sort of symbolises everything I love about Spurs but in terms of a pure footballing sense then for the reasons Cave mentioned Ericsson is vitally important. Yeah, you stole the word right from me.
4: I was going to say Kane, was a, he's, a, he's a, the symbol of Tottenham. Yeah. Right? He, is, he is Spurs. He, he is, is Spurs. Spurs.
5: I think as well, like going into the new stadium and you know, we're, we're looking at our transfer dealings going forward and you know, are we going to be able to afford to spend more money? Can we spend more on wages? I think really that where we go from now Instead of just replacing players when they eventually do leave to go to one of the bigger, you know, five or six clubs that that can offer them something that we can't do, is is competition and alternatives rather than just having like that. That's our starting, you know, that, those are our starting players in those positions. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody that you use instead of Eriksen because they genuinely give you a different option r- rather than like shit, he's injured, who's the backup? same for Kane like a different kind of player and you genuinely don't know going into this game like what's the manager going to do is he going to is he going to play him or is he going to play him because we get a different performance out of each and they're both equally as important but they just do different things
3: do you think Lucas Moura could be that player for Eriksson?
5: I, I think I think freeing Lamella up to sit into that into that kind of position might be what happens
3: yeah yeah the uh, Lamella sorry, Lamela and Eriksson do similar things actually in terms of their vision yeah. and, and the way they move the ball quickly. Moritz is very different to what I expected him to be. I thought he was just going to be the speedster who gets in the end of things and terrorizes fullbacks, but he seems to be quite a tenacious battler in midfield mm. and I really like that about him and I can certainly see what pot saw in him that he likes. Um there's a bit of fight there and he's got seems to have good creative vision and I kind of like I do like the thought of him eventually playing centrally in that role Ericsson's playing in, allowing him to rotate a bit.
4: I don't know if he'll ever play a central role, but I've been very impressed by his physicality and the way he gets stuck in. And... He's pretty good in the air, yeah, right, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, I was going to say, what yeah. a few headers. Yeah. Cool. yeah, he gets up well. But I don't think he'll ever play that uh, Ericsson role. He'll always be further up the pitch, I reckon.
5: I think he's, he looked rusty the other day, which is which in a way is good, because he's impressed us in little bits and bursts. Mm. But I do think he looks rusty. He's not got the fitness. He doesn't know how the team plays yet. I think there's a lot more to come from him. And he's the perfect kind of player for Poch to sort of like model. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: I mean, I don't think he's in the Brazil squad. So just make him do two
3: weeks of beep tests while everyone (laughs) else is away. He's got something to aim for, which is um, something Poch loves. Mm. Uh, Speaking of getting up well, we have a question from Scott Blair 26. (laughs) Flav would never say that, would he? <laughs> He's much cooler than me. We should have said we've got a really hard question now.
4: we got a really, really
3: hard question, yeah.
5: yeah <laughs> it so this. alien after the conversation oh. we've just had as well. You,
3: I mean, is it going to feel like your dad's reading it to you? <laughs> um, all right, Cave. Would oh. you rather live in a state of constant erection or constant shrinkage between erections? And can we try and define what this even means? Because it's the constant shrinkage between erections bit I don't get. Are I we... think it's, would you rather live with a
4: full-on erection or with a continual semi? Or not? maybe perhaps not a semi, but you know that bit where it just kind of goes, boom, 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 and it starts to shrink. And it, But the thing is, that's a useless phase. <laughs> you might as well not have a penis, because that that phase, you can't do anything with it. But the problem is, when you're fully erect the whole time, is that you always... Can do something with it, and you're going to look weird as fuck in a in a changing room getting changed after the gym. How, you can't do anything
5: with an it's erection. Impra- it's very impractical. You can't run. You, you can't... can't. I've been. Well, the first thing that came into my head is like if you're permanently erect, having a piss. Yeah, going would be <laughs> problematic. Sit down yeah. every time, isn't it?
4: Imagine a white hot lane, like <laughs> Everyone's everyone squeezing up next to you, and you're trying to control your. Uh, <laughs> Who a, wants fucking this an question, erection, man?
3: This is. Scott Wrong Blair, twenty six. It's sit that it's sit down, wheeze or handstand wheeze. You've got a choice.
4: But even sit down, wheeze is difficult. So you you have to kind of force it down, and if you're not
3: paying attention, it kind of springs back up. Then you've got to fucking clean the floor and stuff. But you're right. Imagine squeezing like you know, go for a wee at half time at Spurs, and you've got an erection. You know, the guy next to you is going to be looking at you like you're some kind of pervert. Well, even like getting
4: getting a suit fitted. <laughs> Imagine you just. <laughs>
5: You're getting measuring your, inside your inside leg, leg. No I, I mean or Just, just caveating it Before you get measured up <laughs> so like, Before you start measuring me I think you should know I'm
4: so sorry Scott Blair at 26 Asked this question And now I'm stuck like this For the rest of my life <laughs> uh, I would I would probably go for Constant shrinkage Because I can get on with my life I can Still fulfil My wife's sexual
3: needs With using other
4: But she complains Through
3: yours She's going to feel useless. I
4: would sacrifice that... Because if I had a constant erection, well, not just me, I'm not just saying this is me personally, but any man would end up in jail eventually because you would get yourself in trouble with the law. And I'm not saying, I'm saying every man. Right,
5: yeah, yeah. You couldn't go anywhere near a school, for example. You can't go, you can't go to the beach. You can't, can
4: you imagine Lanzini is on the beach he's got his belly on and a raging hard-on.
3: <laughs> yeah, that, But you've got to think, you've got to think outside the box and there'll be some kind of... I, I don't know contraption. I'm thinking of some kind Strapping. of belt. Yeah, a yeah. belt, a, a, an erection belt to keep but, it tight you, to your tight to your tummy. Have you ever tried to hide an erection? It's it's pointless.
4: Well, maybe some men can, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> You get, it's fruitless to try and hide an erection. You know, you know, like you, know, you get caught. Your wife comes home early, and you've been you've been banging one out, and you're having to tuck it into the band of your tracksuit bottoms. It doesn't work. It's and a regular. occurrence you, you
3: have to do that kind of walk where you're forcing your butt out behind you. Yeah.
5: And, <laughs> or and they know something
3: the- drove have, have you have you pulled a muscle in your back? <laughs> I remember watching, um
4: oh for some reason, with my parents, um Sliver came on TV. The basic, uh, you know, the follow-up to Basic Instinct, Sharon Stone. I remember watching it with my parents, and then because you're like fucking like 13 years old, and Sharon Stone is naked, you get an erection, and it's just like, what the fuck? You, you can't. You, life is it's impossible to live your life with a constant erection. So I'm going shrinkage. Says me, done.
5: I'll, I'll go shrinkage just to avoid being getting in trouble in places yeah. that you should not be. Yeah, because imagine you get sent to prison. To attention. Yeah, oh, God, <laughs> right, definitely shrinkage. And then
4: you've got a constant erection in prison.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's a convincing <laughs> argument. Oh I God. think you've won me over as well. I didn't want to go that way, but I think I've got no option.
4: <laughs> it always... I uh, know, like, God, Flav always says when he, he... He can still
3: smash away with a floppy. I think Flav used that word. I'm quoting Flav directly. I, I, I think he might have used the term thumb it in as well.
2: <laughs> oh, my God.
3: Okay, on that note, that is it for the Fighting Cock podcast. Um, it's been different. I um, hope you've enjoyed it. And Flav will be back. You'll be pleased to hear next week uh, if he gets back from the West Country to talk about erections more um, if you've enjoyed the tactical side of this subscribe to the Extra Inch if you're still listening now you're part of the 30% does it count though because it's been a shorter podcast does that still, still count? Counts. it still counts well yeah, we, it still we're
4: counts. gonna we're gonna like fool
3: some people so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've caught some people out who caught... would normally <laughs> give up on this stuff and especially with me hosting <laughs> Oh,
5: they're going to be furious. Can't wait to see
1: the stats on this. Yeah. Laters. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.